thank you, worship team, for leading us so beautifully today. It is a sweet time of the year as we're kind of getting our hearts ready in this Advent season, and that has been the theme of our Advent season, a season of preparation, uh, that in the same way that you are getting uh, Christmas plans ready, and you're getting shopping ready, and you're doing all the stuff that you need to do, we don't want to come through this season having done a lot of good things, but missing out on the heart preparation that God has for us. And so that has been the theme of this series. Let me introduce myself to you. My name is Dan Min. I am the campus pastor at Alliance Christian Fellowship. I am not Dan Min. My name is Aaron Henning. Dan Min was going to be preaching this morning, and I was so excited because I know that your hearts really come alive in many ways under his preaching. And Dan and Nicole serve with our campus church, Alliance Christian Fellowship. They've just come through an action-packed semester, uh, doing great work there uh, on campus. Uh, ACF is our official campus ministry here at State College Alliance Church. And so we love Dan and Nicole. Dan was slated to preach today, uh, but came down with the flu. So I said, you know, how about you stay home, get better, and don't share those germs with us here today. Uh, That's probably better. Uh, So I'm going to be stepping in uh, in his stead today. Uh, But it's actually my joy to be able to do that. This series on, uh, on readiness and helping God get our hearts ready. We started by talking about what is it to be a repentance ready people. What does it mean to be revival ready last week? And, and then sort of the, the counterpart with that is not just when God awakens the church, but then when God begins to awaken the world, and that's what we're talking about when we talk about harvest ready. And that's where we're going to go today in this uh, passage, and then we're going to finish up with what does it mean to be a return ready. But I'm certain of this, that as God gets our hearts ready in all of these ways, and probably more, maybe God has a dozen other things that he wants to do, heart work in you this, this uh, season, be open to all of that. But these are the ones that God has put on my heart. And Amy and I, as I shared in the beginning of the series, we were attending a, a, a conference with the College of Prayer just this fall. And, and God put those four words on our heart through that conference. And so just a, as a little props to our friends at the College of Prayer, thank you for helping us get ready in that way. So when we talk about repentance ready, uh, again, let me just re, I just want to underscore this because I'm hearing some incredible testimonies from you. Uh, and I love to hear how God is stirring, but this, this idea of not being afraid of repentance, that repentance actually opens the door for all of this and more that God wants to do. God loves humble people. And when we're in that place of repentance, God has a way of stirring in special ways. So a revival-ready church is already going to be repentance-ready. Uh, a harvest-ready church is already going to be repentance-ready. A return-ready church is already going to be repentance ready so let me encourage you in that that let's let's continue to go after that space and and one of one of uh, you guys were sharing a testimony with me just so beautiful saying i'm finding the joy of realigning my heart with the heart of jesus that's what we're talking about every time that you kind of get on your face before the lord and every time you're dealing doing business with him uh, you're talking about realigning your heart with his heart and that's a great place to be it's not a good place to be it is a great place for us to be and so i pray that for you and we pray that for you uh, as leaders when we talk about revival specifically last week we were talking about revival within the church 
So we don't want to be a lukewarm church. We don't want to be a lukewarm expression of all that God has. We want to be this hope of the world that God has entrusted to us to say, I want you to be salt and light, but I don't want you to be lukewarm. I want you to be on fire. So when the fire of God comes to the church, we call that revival. Uh, And God begins to breathe life even into the places that we may have thought were dead. God is a specialist at being able to bring back to life those things that were dead. And so when you see those things in your own life or in your church that appear to be dead, that's your prayer assignment, to say, God, would you begin to breathe life back into these places? And when God does that, that is what we refer to as a revived church. And God uses a revived church to reach this world. When we talk about awakening, which is where we're going to go today, and talk about being harvest ready, we're talking about people coming into a relationship with God that didn't have one before. So that right now, there are people in your sphere of influence and in your world that they are living as if God doesn't matter, because maybe they don't realize that he does. They're living as if the teachings of Christ and the finished work of Christ don't matter. And many of your lives tell the story because you know what it was like to live that way, and then suddenly the power of the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your life in a way you say, wait a minute, the work of Christ actually has implications for me. How many of you have come to that point in your life? Raise your hand, be bold. Yeah, a lot of you, many of you here. Maybe, somebody, maybe you're here today and we're glad that you are. You say, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. We're really glad that you're here. We're praying for you because we know what it is like to live in a, in a world without Christ. And so many of us tell that, the, that story. Today when we talk about awakening or we talk about harvest, we're simply asking God to show us how he sees this world. And here's a little thing. as we look at, We're going to look at Matthew 9 today. I just want you to flip your Bibles over there if you have your Bibles with you, your smartphones or whatever. Matthew chapter 9. The gift of a passage like this is that we can actually put ourselves in the place and say, I want to see things the way that Jesus sees them. And today in this passage, you're going to actually get a glimpse of how it is that Christ looked at the world. And specifically what he called us to as a church when he looks at this with his disciples. So this is what I want you to read with me. We're going to look at a a short passage that packs a big punch. It's Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38. And it uh, reads this way. It says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So may God add blessing to the reading of his word here today. So when we talk about being a harvest ready church, we can look at this passage of scripture, we can see how did Christ see the world? And when he saw the brokenness of the world that he had come to redeem, he didn't look at it with disdain, he didn't look at it with disgust, he didn't step away and say, I can't believe how messed up these people are, but he had a heart of compassion as he looked at his world. So that gives us a little bit of a clue, how should we look at our world? Now, a lot of us, just to give a little 
caveat here. You look at a passage like this and you would say, this is probably a good passage if you're like called to be a missionary, if you have the gift of evangelism. Some of you have the gift of evangelism. You just, you can't even walk into a, a conversation uh, without bringing up Jesus and it, and it just naturally kind of goes there and so you're gifted in that way. But if you're not gifted in evangelism or you're not called to be a missionary or go all around the world, this passage maybe isn't, isn't, uh, isn't for you. Uh, I would say absolutely not. That is not the case. I think this passage gives us a heartbeat of how Jesus sees the world, calling us to a place to be a harvest-ready church. And a harvest-ready church is going to see a harvest. In fact, God has opportunities for you that you don't even fully understand yet because you haven't fully asked yet. But God's going to stir your heart today to be more harvest-ready. And I want to also say it this way. I wonder if a part, just like we prayed a few moments ago, we just said, God, if I could just get a glimpse of you, if we could just get a touch of you, I wonder if the people in your life that have a desperate need for Christ, if they would actually simply need you to get out of the way. It's not about you fixing them. It's not about you having a perfect delivery of how you're going to convince them of something, but just getting out of the way enough and allowing them to see Jesus enough to realize that they have a spiritual need. The reason that we pray for spiritual hunger, the reason that we pray for spiritual divine appointments is that we believe that God alone is the one who is able to change a heart. You're never going to be able to do that. But here, how does Jesus see this harvest-ready thing? Um, in Matthew 9, the thing that is amazing about this passage is it causes us to realize maybe we've got a far too limited view on this word harvest. Like, we have this idea that when we're talking about harvest, we're saying like, well, you know, first of all, it's an agricultural term. Most of us are not uh, farmers. Some of us are, but most of us are not. So we don't even really think in those terms that often. But when we do, we assume that the spiritual harvest is somebody puts their faith in Christ. Somebody prays a prayer to, uh, to receive Christ. And what we actually begin to see is that the harvest of God and the harvest-ready church sees God working in a much deeper way. We see the fullness of God's kingdom being made manifest here on earth. And that's where I would like us to begin, not just simply talking about what does it mean to pray a prayer. We can walk you through a prayer, walk you pray and ask God to forgive you, but actually living out the work of the kingdom among us and through us and in us. So what, how do we define this? You can see harvest from a biblical standpoint. Uh, and what you tend to see when you look throughout Scripture is that you come across uh, a term like this in a very, uh, a very technical way. Uh, it's, it's the end of the year or the place in the year when all of the planting and all of the preparation has now come to a place where we're not going to gather these crops in that have been grown over these last several months. But it wasn't simply a job to be completed or a task. When you look at the, the Old Testament people of God, uh, it wasn't simply to say like, okay, go out and get the crops and check that out and be done, but rather a process that was to be accompanied by celebration. Hence, we have, we have whole festivals dedicated to this idea of harvest. And that's because people, uh, the people of God would gather crops acknowledging it was God who, who provided this in the first place. It is God who caused these things to grow. It is God who's given an abundance of provision. In fact, when you look at what Scripture says about the Harvest Festival in Deuteronomy chapter 16, it says this festival will be a happy time of celebrating. 
to your, your sons and your daughters, your, your servants, your, your household, everybody together, uh, the, the Levites, foreigners, orphans, widows from your town, everyone's going to gather together and you're going to celebrate what God has done. For seven days, you must celebrate this festival to honor the Lord your God at the place that He chooses. For it is He who blesses you with bountiful harvest and gives you success in all of your work. This festival will be a time of great joy for all. So get a little joy in your life. You know, when it was time to harvest, it wasn't just, hey, we're going to work and we're get this done, but we're going to remember what God has done for us. We're going to remember the blessing and the bounty that he has poured out. So now what does it mean to see a spiritual harvest? Well, we see that harvest is the fullness of God's kingdom being made manifest on earth. So you need to know that this biblical theme of harvest, it goes way beyond sort of an agricultural reality. Harvest from a spiritual standpoint is God's kingdom is coming. Uh, you notice when, when it says that Jesus went to all of the towns and villages in this Matthew 9 passages. He went to all the towns and villages he's preaching. What was the message that he preached? What Jesus preached was repent, the gift of repentance, for the kingdom of God has come. Like, made manifest in his very life as he's walking around the brokenness of the world and everywhere he goes the brokenness finds healing and the sick find healing and those who are lost are found and there's this restoration of shalom of God that is being extended so what does it mean when we say the fullness of God's kingdom is being made manifest here on earth what does that actually look like Last week, I ended the message with John 10, 10. I love that passage. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I have come that they would have life and life to the full, or the abundant life. This is so much more. Listen, we talk about being repentance ready. We need to repent of our small view of what it means to see the harvest come in. You know, that, there was so much time in my life, I just assumed that meant, well, people are praying prayers. But what Jesus said is, no, I've come that they would have life and life to the full. And it doesn't mean that, that it's a life without problems, because we also know Jesus said, in this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So we know it's not a, a problem-free life, but it's essentially a life that's worth going after. And we, all, we say this all the time. Anything that is, that is worth it, it's worth going through hard things to go after it. Why? Because it is meaningful. So we see this idea of John 10.10. We also see what does the harvest look like. Uh, Isaiah 61. This was, the, this was the mission statement of Jesus when he launched his earthly ministry. He, this is what he said. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of despair. You look at the way that Jesus sort of defined this idea of harvest. And what does it mean for the kingdom to come? Now, here's the question that we've got to ask. What is your part in the mission of Christ? You see, I'm convinced of this. When we talk through this series about we don't want to be a lukewarm church. We don't want to be a lukewarm church. We don't want to be a lukewarm church. One of the reasons that a church becomes lukewarm is that we stop asking the question... What is my part in the harvest plan of God? 
Now, my role may look different than your role. Your role may look different than, than, than my role. But what happens when the people of God just sort of like simmer and sort of cool and we stop expecting God to move? The great question is to simply say, what is my part in the harvest plan of God? How has God equipped me to pray, to serve, to give? How has God specifically placed me, not so much where you're going to sit on Sunday morning, but where is God going to put you all throughout your week and the influence that you're going to have in this broken world? Because we've already talked about saying this is everything right of God coming into everything broken and hurting in our world. He's going to use you to bring His presence. So harvest is the fullness of God's kingdom. All the good is good and right with God, manifesting right here in our broken and hurting world. And here's the crazy thing. He's actually doing this in our world as we speak. Right now, around the world at this time, Jesus is saying the harvest is plentiful. Right now, he is healing the wounded. He's setting captives free. He's opening blind eyes. He's bringing the spiritually dead in back to life in Christ. He is consistently inviting and calling lost people to himself. And he's offering people an abundant life that is found in Christ alone. He's doing all of this right now, even as we speak. Now, some of you are like... I don't know how to be connected to that. I don't, I don't really know what that means. Just, just pause and realize that right now, even as you sit in this gathering of people, that you are among people for whom God has reached out and drawn them to himself. It's an incredible thing. Around the world right now, God is doing this work. And you, here's the crazy thought. God invites you and invites me to partner with him in all of these ways. When he talks about workers and labors, he's talking about partners in ministry, people who would join him in his work of the harvest and around our world today. So this is why, as a church, we do so much of what we do. This is why we have said we want to be committed to being a next-generation church. It's the reason why we have a dynamic children's ministry. I love all of you guys that work with our kids' ministry and make it so dynamic and so amazing. We have little kids up here dancing in worship today, and I was like, just more of that. Just bring more of that. A little more joy, you know? But that's why we do, we're, we're, uh, we're passionate about next-generation ministry. Kids' ministry, awake student ministry. I love seeing what God is doing among our young people right now, the ways in which God is is uh, stirring and, and breathing new life uh, into them. And I'll tell you what, if you want to go after that in prayer, God always brings revival through the younger generation, right? And so we continue to pray for the younger generation that they would experience the full manifest presence of God. It's a reason why we have a campus ministry to begin with. You know, we love the work. Some of you guys are here from ACF today. Uh, we're rooting for you. I know you're like brain dead because you've just come through uh, another uh, semester and you got finals that you're working through and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we are excited about the work that God is doing at Penn State University in that next generation. Uh, it is the reason that we uh, position ourselves through what we call our hope initiatives. Wood for good, out of the cold, front yard mission. It's the reason many of you, as we participated in the food pack this last year, why are we doing these things? We're doing these things not because we have spare time that we're just trying to fill, because we're trying to be connected and harvest ready, connected to the work of Christ in this world. I want to give you a just quick story, and then I'll give you a few just real practical things that you can pray for, and I want to pray for you as well as you think about what does it mean to be harvest ready. 
Uh, several years ago, we were participating um, with the uh, language program. It was taking students from other countries that didn't speak English super well yet, and they wanted practice, and so we just kind of partnered with them. And so Chris Cunningham and Karen Cunningham, they were kind of uh, organizing that program. We had several students that were involved in that, and I realized, like, I've never participated in that myself, and I wonder if that would be kind of a blessing to do that. So I got paired up with a young man from Shanghai, and uh, a relationship that ended up being just one of the bright spots of my life. You know what I mean? Those just divine appointments that you didn't necessarily expect but God just blessed us both through this relationship. Uh, interestingly, you know, when you think about Harvest Ready, um, you know, we have this, we have mission field opportunities all around us. So we have to have eyes to see what they are. I didn't even necessarily know that God was calling me into a harvest opportunity. Uh, but very quickly, this young man, he says to me, hey, so you work with Christian people a lot. I would love to talk to you about Christian things. I said, hey, that sounds good. And listen to this. He go, this is what he said to me. He goes, the reason is, when I left to come study here in the United States, my father said to me before I left, if you can find some Christian people to connect with, do that, because I grew up an atheist and I've always felt like I was missing something. Okay, just pause on that for a second. So here's this guy's atheist father nudging him in the direction of Christ. Why is that happening? John Wesley used to refer to the prevenient grace of Christ, which was the, the idea that God is at work and nudging us and moving us and orchestrating certain things in our lives to bring us to the place that we would be able to have an encounter with God. That's a grace and a work of the Holy Spirit. So here's this kid's atheist father telling him, by the way, if you get a chance to seek out some Christian people, do that while you're studying in America because I've always felt like I was missing out on some things in my life and so maybe you could get some things that I've missed out on. What an opportunity. So here he comes in, he's got all these kind of great questions and we're talking about all these things, learning about each other's culture, great relationship, uh, just became good friends. We, we, I, I taught him to drive a car, that was an experience uh, for both of us. Uh, it, it was just, I mean, we were just doing life stuff together. And just enjoying those things together. So I remember one day he came to me and he said, you know, I'd like to join you guys on a, on a mission service trip that you're doing. Could I, could I do that? I'm not a Christian, but could I, could I serve with you guys? And we said, we'd love that. That would be great. And so we, we connected him to that. He started connecting to some other Christian groups or whatever. So one day we're having, uh, having coffee at Irving's Bagel down at downtown. And he says, um, hey, I'm getting ready to finish up the work that I'm doing here. We had been with each other for some time now. And he goes, I'm getting ready to, to move on, but before I do, I, it's really on my heart, I think I need to get baptized. And I was like, well, Ryan, you know, baptism is actually a public profession that, that Christians do. You know, so I, I don't know kind of where you're at in this journey with Jesus. We've talked a lot about it. He goes, oh, no, I'm good with Jesus. I'm, I'm down with that. Uh, I'm, I'm, ready to go, I'm ready to go public with that faith. And so I said, okay. So it was like finals week, you know, and we brought him over here and right here uh, at the, at the, uh, at, in our sanctuary, we had a special baptism service just, just for him. So I share that with you because by the time he had come to a place of faith, here I am surprised that he was ready. What I want to encourage us in is to be a harvest-ready church that believes that God is actually at work around us. Now, the, the, there's a difference. 
There's a difference. So my brother over here say, amen. <laughs> you know, amen. There's something in here. He understands something about that because you can go through the motions of never expecting God to move. And when you're doing that, you're not harvest ready, right? Now that doesn't mean, here's the crazy thing, that doesn't mean that God might still work because what we were even talking about last time, sometimes God works in ways that we have no idea. He doesn't ask us permission, right? He says, hey, I can't actually do this without you guys. But he says, I want you to be a part of it. God is going to reap a harvest. God is going to draw people to himself from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. He is in the process of doing that right now. The question is, to every church that would hear, are you going to be a part of it? And I hope that our answer would be absolutely yes. So how do we do that? Let me, let me just give three real practical things, and then we'll, we'll just pray over you and ask, maybe be surprised at what God does. Um, he says to his disciples... Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, so pray. Now there's a couple things in that order that strike me. I mean, he's talking to his disciples. These are the same disciples that he's saying, I'm going to give you this, this global mission. I'm going to ask you to build the church. I'm going to ask you to do all of this kind of stuff. And yet he doesn't say to them, the harvest is plentiful, so go out there and reap it. It surprises me. Why didn't, he just, why didn't he just equip them to go right then? But he didn't. He said, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, so pray. So pray to the Lord of the harvest. Make that your first mission. Learn how to get in touch with the heart of the Savior before you start going out and kind of, you know, this whole idea, this phrase keeps coming to me today, just get out of the way. You know, when you pray to the Lord of the harvest, you're getting yourself out of the way so that you don't bugger up the work that he wants to do in reaching a lost world. So that's kind of the starting point, is prayer. Now, we could talk about that more, but we've, we don't need to belabor it. We've talked about that a lot. Uh, so what does, he, what does he pray for? Um, he prays for open eyes. And if you want to pray for yourself or for your church, you can pray for that. Lord, give us open eyes. It says he saw the crowds. He was able to see what was happening around him. And again, we, we see through the eyes of Christ when we look at this passage. He saw the crowds. He saw they were hopeless. He saw they were harassed. That almost has like a spiritual, uh, a spiritual um, incentive to it to say like he sees the spiritual harassment that they're going under when they're living outside of the protection of Christ in this world some of your translations might say the crowds were confused or that they were weary or that they were scattered or that they were faint or that they were cast aside uh, everything we see in our world today Jesus had a clear view and he saw them we can pray that we would have open eyes we pray that we would have open hearts he didn't just see them but he saw them and he had compassion for them and this is an intriguing pattern that we see in scripture over and over again that the work of christ is is almost always motivated by some sense of compassion as the driving motivator that causes heaven to touch down on earth compassion was the thing behind the miraculous signs and wonders of jesus it was what drove christ's ministry here on earth it was the kind of posture that harvest ready people have so like we don't need to be a group of harvest ready angry christians right we're just so ticked off at our world for being so broken and messed up right but actually have compassion 
And part of the way we do that is we remember who we are without Christ. And if you're convinced that you've kind of made your own way and you've fixed your own life and now you're trying to get other people to do it, you probably haven't really understood the gospel at all. But to come to a place of humility, again, repentance, humility, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. So we have open eyes to see. God help us to see as you see this world. We have open hearts, compassion for the things that Christ has compassion for. And then lastly, we pray for open doors. And I love how Jesus put this in, uh, in his passage. He says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. It's his work. It's his glory. It's, his, it's all about him so that when we get it twisted around and we say, well, I'm going to do this, and I get all excited for the stuff I'm going to do for him and stuff, but we need to be humble and remember it is his work. The fact of the matter is, I was thinking this this morning, our best laid plans are usually wrong in some ways. We can't even figure out who to preach on Sunday morning. You know what I mean? We think we know, but we don't know. God has different plans. He has different ways, and he, he holds the key to every door that may seem locked. And so when you see that friend that seems irredeemable or that family member that seems too far gone or that person that you think is so calloused and so hardened and outside God's reach, that door seems shut to us, and to us it probably is. But it's not to Christ. And so we pray. We pray first. You ever notice there's this kind of pattern uh, that we see in Scripture? Because we, we're a church that believes that prayer actually changes the atmosphere. See, until the atmosphere is changed, until people begin to realize that they have a spiritual need, and they begin to experience a spiritual hunger, we can burn a ton of energy trying to run all the right things and programs and have the right conversations or whatever, but prayer changes the atmosphere. And, and the best example of this is actually what happens at Pentecost, because at Pentecost, the people are waiting on the Lord, they're praying, they're ministering to His presence, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, then they go out, and thousands of people come to faith in Christ. Like the harvest was ready, but they had to get themselves in the right place to be harvest ready themselves. So we look at this and we call this sort of fullness fulfillment. If we are not living a life that is full of the presence of God, it is very hard to live a life that is full of the fulfillment of God. The fullness of the presence of God will lead to fullness and will lead us to be a harvest ready people. Some of you are going to see... Um, exciting adventures of things that God puts on your heart. When God gives you a special burden, even this week. Some of you, I love this, I love this kind of focus right here. Some of our young adults right here, you are at this peak time in life where God is saying, I am gonna open up doors to you. You have no idea the potential that I have in you right now. I mean, some of us, were, I'm, I'm pushing 50 years old right? I mean, I'm going to get to the point right now. Yeah, hey, for 50. I'm, I'm happy for 50. I'm going to pray better in 50. That's all that's good. You know what I mean? But there is something about saying, don't waste the untapped potential of saying, I want to reach this world, and I want to do it through this generation. So we pray for you. We believe in you. We're excited to see. And in every generation in this church, listen, you know, we got people right now that are sowing seeds, and they are harvest ready, and they're 100 years old. And God says, let's go for it. You're not, too, you're not too old. You're not too young to be a part of the mission that he has for you. So it's a little bit of a scary prayer, but when you say, God, open up my eyes, he might actually just do that. 
And that's kind of where we're landing today. So I want to pray that for you. Uh, I want to pray for open hearts. I want to pray for open doors. Uh, And then we're going to sing. We're going to give God the praise. And then we're going to go out and we're going to see what he has for us as we walk it out. Okay? So why don't you stand up? Why don't you stand up together? Team, uh, worship team that's going to lead us, why don't you make your way on up to the platform? Hmm. Yeah, so I keep this, this thought's just still on my mind. Like, if we just get a little bit of Jesus, you know, like just the hem of his garment, just a little encounter with him. That's what that was really about. It was a small encounter with Christ that changed a person's whole life, right? That's what we need to be harvest ready, and that's what our world needs to be awakened. Just a little bit of Jesus. So if, if you want to receive this as a sort of receiving prayer, if this is a sign of saying, God, that's, that's me. I, wanna, I want all of that and more. Uh, you can just open up your hands and say, Lord, we are grateful today. Many of us even here in this room are living testimonies of what you can do through a calloused and hard and stubborn and messed up life. And so we want to just, just pause on that for a moment. And I hope that every single one of us that is walking with Jesus today would be able to just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the grace of Christ that is greater than all of my misses, all of my messes, all of my brokenness. Thank you, Lord, for that. I also want to pause on that thought and just say, I I just sense there's probably somebody who's saying, you know what, I've not crossed that line of faith yet at this point. And while it is only the introduction, it is an important introduction. Let today be the day where you say, God, I'm just putting my guard down. I'm leaning into all that you have done. Everything that you have promised for me, I'm going to receive. And everything that you have said about me that needs to change, I'm going to agree with you, is true. What is that? That's a sweet gift of repentance. I'm going to turn away from doing it my way. I'm going to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. Put your own words to that prayer. That's a beautiful thing. God, I pray that you would cause someone's heart to be open to your work today. So Lord, here we are with open hands and we're simply asking, would you open our eyes to see the world the way that you see this world? I pray that you would open our hearts, God, that you would give us a a sense of compassion, of Christ-centered compassion for this world. Not a haughtiness, not a sense that we've got it figured out and everybody else's is just such a total mess, but a a sense of compassion to say, I once was lost, but Christ found me. Lord, we believe that you are not done. We believe that you're not done sending workers to the harvest field. So open our eyes, open our hearts, and open doors. Lord, we pray that very specifically. Maybe that uh, every one of us that would take that seriously just say, Lord, open up a door for me in this coming week to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to serve in a way that honors you, to reflect your heart in a way that points others to Jesus. And God, help us to be good signposts that point to you today. We'll get out of the way, but if this world can see just a little bit more of Christ... It'll be a good thing, and we'll be a harvest-ready church. So we need your help with all of that, Lord. We, we lean into you. We're grateful for it, grateful for your patience. 
Cause us to be harvest ready, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's sing together.